Well, good morning, everybody here in the sanctuary and everybody at home. If you'll please stand with us together. Let's sing. We wait for this day. We gather in your name, calling out to you. Your glory like a fire, awakening desire will burn our hearts with
Amen. 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 Good morning. It is nice to say this. You may be seated. I haven't been able to say that in several weeks. Uh, first of all, let me just say good morning to those of you who are here. Uh, man, I'm glad to see you. For the last six to eight weeks, I would sit right there where Jim is, and I would be the only one out here. And I'd just be singing and worshiping by myself. And so it is good to know that there are other people worshiping with me. So welcome to you. But I also want to welcome all of you who are still at home, uh, those of you who are, who are being safe and extra cautious, and we want to welcome you and thank you for joining us this morning. And though we're excited to be here, we know that this is still not the way it's supposed to be. We know that we're missing probably maybe 50% of our congregation uh, this morning. And so we want you to know that we love you, uh, that we're praying for you, and that we miss you. And I look forward to the day when it is safe enough that all of you uh, can gather with us uh, again. Man, a lot's changed in eight weeks, though. Like in eight weeks, Paul Johnson has joined the choir. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> if you're watching, looking for a church, this is not a choir. We're just putting families up here. The choir is one of the no-nos right now. And so, uh, but it is good to be back uh, worshiping together. Today's a special day because it's uh, graduation day. We get to recognize our graduates, and so we're going to do that. So I'm going to turn it over to Pastor BJ. Fantastic. Thank you for that. And let me just jump right in. Class of 2020. I mean, it's unique, unusual, bizarre, but that's enough about Ethan and Hunter personally. Um, no, but, but really, your, your graduation uh, is, is unlike any that I can remember. Um, but it's not just about your graduation. I've heard it said that you guys have experienced something called a, a loss of last. And I think that phrase sums it up pretty well. Uh, you didn't know that your junior prom would be your last prom. You didn't know that when you had lunch back in March that that would be your last lunch there. And you didn't know that that baseball game or field trip or just hanging out with your friends after school or that last time you opened your locker would be your last time. Unless you left something in there and the school called you back to come and get it, I guess. But then you knew it was your last. But, you know, I think in some ways this can be a reminder to us all that we aren't promised tomorrow. We really never know when something will be our last the last time your child crawls up into your lap, or the last softball or volleyball or football game, or the last band concert, the last practice that you have to shuttle kids to, the last time you get to play catch with your dad, the last time you get to call your mom on the phone. And look, I'm not trying to be morbid or just make everybody sad and depressed this morning, but I want to say this, carpe diem, seize the day. That project you've been, waiting, you've been waiting to do, why not complete it today? That thing that you've been waiting to do, do it today. Call your mom, call your dad today. Forgive today. Tell someone that you love them today. Share the gospel today. Serve one another today. Today is the day of salvation. If you've been waiting to trust Jesus with your life, do it today. Carpe diem. Seize the day. Because we're not promised tomorrow. If one thing I've learned in all of this 
is that God is sovereign and humans are not. And we don't know what tomorrow holds. Seize the day. So I'm going to call both of the graduates up by name in, in, in just a moment. Pastor Eric, you can come on forward if you want to and just share a few insights from their lives with, you know, with our church. As I do, each graduate will receive a few items from us. Now, we're trying to do some things new this year, do, do some things a little differently, in part because of that loss of last. So this year, you get a diploma from the church and a tassel. Congratulations, you've graduated youth ministry. <clears throat> All right. First, I want to call up Ethan Robert Power. Ethan is a graduate of Northgate High School. And while in school, Ethan completed one year of dual enrollment through Bruton Parker College, making him a second-generation baron while also working. His freshman year, he was Battery Rookie of the Year and Concert Band Rookie of the Year. Now, in fifth grade was quite the year for you. Uh, Ethan had a perfect score in math and language arts on the CRCT test, and he held the highest average in all of his subjects in his class. Ethan has volunteered with Upward Sports and Vacation Bible School at Northside. He went on a, a, he, he's been on two Kentucky mission trips and several centrifuge and infuge camps, uh, the infuge's mission trips as well. Now, interestingly enough, Ethan, you were the kid who <laughs> cried and screamed and just absolutely refused to get on stage as a child. I think it's safe to say you've outgrown that. <laughs> Ethan will attend West Georgia, making him a third-generation wolf to pursue a degree in education, then going into a field that will make him a fourth-generation educator. Ethan's favorite Bible passage is Psalm 150. Verse 6 says this, Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Ethan Robert Power. Hunter Richard Stanton. Hunter is also a graduate of Northgate High School, and while in school, Hunter served on the leadership team with Fellowship of Christian Athletes and played football all four years. Hunter shot, Hunter shot augmented trap with 4-8 shotguns starting in the seventh grade and has qualified for the state competition each year since. Last year, he shot a perfect 10 out of 10 in doubles at regionals and 25 out of 25 at state, pushing him to a 7 out of 10 in his final round, and the top shooter in Coweta County, and one of the best in Georgia. Yeah, I want to be on Hunter's good side. <laughs> Hunter will attend Middle Georgia State University to study aviation and pursue his airframe and power plant certificate. Hunter's favorite Bible verse is Psalm 46.1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Hunter Richard Stanton. We're proud of your accomplishments academically, but I love the fact that you guys lead in worship. You lead your, at your school through FCA and that you are an example of, of Christ to your peers. So appreciate that. We also have some, some college graduates today. I don't know if any are, are with us this morning. I, I've tried to scan the crowd, and some of them are, you know, maybe behind a mask somewhere. But um, 
But I do want to call out their, their names, and if you're here, please stand. First, uh, Sarah Chappelle is a graduate of Truett McConnell University with a Bachelor of Science in Nursing and a minor in Great Commission Studies. Morgan Runyon is a graduate of Point University with a Bachelor of Science in Child and Youth Development Specialization in Youth Programming and a double minor in uh, Biblical Studies and Biology. And then Highland Wally is a graduate of Georgia Institute of Technology with a Bachelor of Science in Computer Science with focuses in information, internetworks, and media. So congratulations to our college graduates as well. I could only get one degree and it took me about six and a half years. They all have all kinds of stuff, so fantastic. I want to ask the, the, the families of these graduates to come and join them here as Pastor Aaron prays for them. And then after that prayer, uh, you can be seated. I just want to tell you a little bit about the gifts that you have. So if you, the families can come and join up here just beside or behind the graduates, that would be fantastic. And let your families kind of get behind you. We'll do that. Pastor Aaron, if you will go ahead yeah. and, and pray when you're ready. All right, let's pray. Father God, your word says in Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. God, you knew that this graduating class of 2020 would graduate in the midst of COVID-19. This has not caught you by surprise. Lord, you knew as they entered into their senior year that, that so many things that seniors look forward to, Lord, would be disrupted. And families who have waited for that day where they could gather in the bleachers or in an auditorium and scream when their child's name is called, Lord, that they would not get to participate in that. Lord, and though they've experienced a lot of losses, Lord, I do pray and trust that in the midst of this, God, they will use it. And Lord, they'll come out stronger and better for it. Lord, I specifically want to just lift up Ethan and Hunter to you. Uh, Lord, what a, what a privilege it is to be their pastor. Lord, I really have only had a chance to know them now for maybe three, three and a half months since we've kind of been social distanced. But, Lord, I just pray for their futures. God, I believe that you have great things in store for them. Lord, I pray that they would give their lives every day to what they trusted in years ago, and that was that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior of their life. And, God, wherever you take them, whatever... Uh, that may be for them, that they would know that you have a plan, that their future is laid out, and Lord, that they would just take joy in the journey, that they would enjoy every moment that comes into their lives, and they would use it in a way that exalts you and points people to you. Father, we thank you for their families who wanted to raise these young men in, in godly homes, pointing them to Jesus Christ. Thank you for what these families mean uh, to, to Northside. Lord, we just continue in the midst of these days of uncertainty, Lord. We just want to be people who are encouraging and positive. And God, I know this is unique even today. Man, as these young men walked up here, I just wanted to shake their hands and, and hug their necks. And I know a lot of people in the congregation want to do the same. Uh, but Lord, instead, may we just settle for a congratulations and a smile. And, and Lord, just continue to encourage them as they, as they move forward. Lord, you have a plan for them. And I look forward to seeing God and uh, what they're going to do for your glory and your honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Congratulations. You guys can go have a seat. Here you, go. you can be seated, but I, I want to do one, one more thing. And I know you're not supposed to give a gift and then tell people what's in the gift, uh, but I'm going to do that. Uh, we uh, doing lots of things we're not supposed to do anyway. So uh, 
One of the first things that you'll see in there is a signed gift. And so each year we try to find something unique to each high school graduate that reflects your personality or your talents. And so the youth Sunday school teachers have signed Ethan's drum pad and Hunter's football. You can go ahead and open it up because I'm going to tell you what's in there. Go ahead and look at it. You didn't get to have a party. Just relax. All right. So go ahead and look through that. And, um, and so, so yeah, those, those things are in there. And I do want to say a, a special thank you to Andy Mazin, who really pulls a lot of this together. And she's serving today out in the, and, and so I'm up here. But she, so when you see her, make sure that you tell her thank you, that you appreciate that. There's a journal in there. We pray that you'll use this journal to record, to record your thoughts and prayers and hope that it'll be an encouragement to you as you grow in your faith and draw near unto God. There is a compass in there. Now, this compass is not really functional. If you get lost in the woods, it won't be a whole lot of help to you, okay? Uh, there's, there's a poem inscribed on there. Don't expect it, like I said, don't expect it to be useful if you're trying to get out of the woods, but it's a reminder that God points us in a direction, and then he just asks us to follow him. He doesn't, he doesn't give us a road map that shows every turn, but a general direction that requires trust and obedience. And then you have a t-shirt. It's just a little something I hope you can have fun with and that you'll enjoy. It says, Senior Skip Day Champs 2020. <laughs> so congratulations, guys. We've got a little video for you, and then we'll continue on with our worship service. Overwhelming feeling So sad The faces on TV If I try to make a difference Would it help anyway? But then I stop And to myself I say So you wanna change the world What are you waiting for?
vilest offender who truly believes that moment from Jesus a pardon received. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the people rejoice. So come to the Father through Jesus the Son and give him the glory. Great things he hath done. Great things he has taught us. Great things he has done. And great our rejoicing through Jesus the Son. <coughs> and greater will be our wonder, our victory, when Jesus we see. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son and give him the glory great things he hath done thank you, you may be seated as we turn over to trust and obey when we walk with the Lord in the light of his word what a glory he sheds on our abides with us still and with all who will trust and obey trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey not a burden we bear not a sorrow we share but our toil he doth richly repay. Not a grief or a loss, not a frown or a cross, but is blessed if we trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Then in fellowship sweet we will sit at his feet or we'll walk by his side in the way. What he says we will do, where he sends we will go, never fear, only trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Amen, amen. Isn't it great to see Curtis and Ann this morning? Isn't that awesome? We have missed you all, and it is good to see you. If you have your Bibles, would you please take them and turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Now, I sent out a video 
and a reminder yesterday that we were going to cut our services short because the bathrooms are limited. And I'm going to try to preach as short as I can to honor that, but uh, we'll see how that goes. Um, Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to look at verses 1 through 3, and I'm going to ask you to stand in honor of the reading of God's Word. Now that we have those of you back here worshiping with us, Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 1, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. You may be seated. On March 15th, we gathered as a church to worship. I knew that morning that that might be the last time that we would gather for a little while. A lot of churches didn't even meet that Sunday, but we decided to meet. Pastor BJ preached a sermon entitled Together, Living in Christ-Centered Community. I had no idea that morning that it would be eight weeks in which we could not be together. Um, But more so than ever, I think we need to be reminded of that truth, that we are together, that we are together. And I believe that in the midst of these difficult days, one thing Satan is going to try to do as churches begin to figure out how do we start gathering together again, I believe one thing Satan is going to try to do is divide us, to bring division in the midst of the church. Brett McCracken wrote an article entitled Church Don't let coronavirus divide you. He wrote this just a couple days ago, and he said this. In such a precarious and polarizing environment, how can churches move forward in beautiful unity rather than ugly division? It won't be easy. But by God's grace and the power of the Holy Spirit, working to unify us in ways our flesh resists, listen to what he says, the opportunity is there for us to be a counter-cultural model for the rest of the world. That the church can be a counter-cultural model for the rest of the world and how divided the world is right now. And so I want you to notice two things from our text. Under each of these points, there's some sub-points. And I'm going to go through these quickly. Obviously, I'm not going to be able to exhaust all of this, uh, but I just want to draw your attention to this this morning. Number one, I want you to notice the calling. The calling. We'll go through this quickly. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, verse 1, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling, worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Notice this calling is a divine calling. It's a divine calling. Paul says, to which you have been called. The CSB says that you have received. God has called us into the fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ. He has called us. He has called us into that fellowship through the preaching of the gospel. That is how we came to know who Christ is and we came to believe in him through the preaching of the gospel. This is something that God has done. He has called us. He has saved us. He has rescued us. It is a divine calling. And this is good news because your salvation has nothing to do with who you are or what you've done. This calling is to salvation and it is a free gift. We have been called to Christ. We have claimed Christ as our Lord and Savior. We begin to follow Him. It is a divine calling. Notice it is also a costly calling. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord. Paul had surrendered his life to Christ. 
And where does he find himself? Writing this letter from prison. His being a prisoner to the Lord, his being completely surrendered to Christ, means he now finds himself in prison. Following Jesus is a costly calling. It will cost us to follow Jesus. We are called to sacrificial obedience. But it's also, thirdly, a daily calling. He says that you are to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. That word walk simply means to live, to conduct one's life, to live day by day in a way that is worthy of this calling. Now that Greek word for worthy is an interesting word, and I love the idea here. It has the idea of balancing the scales. So you've seen those scales, right? You you can put two items and sometimes the scales get uneven and sometimes they balance. This idea of worthy has this, this idea of balancing the scales. They're even. And so his point here is simply this. You are to live in a way that corresponds with your calling. Who you are and how you live should be consistent with who Christ is. You should look like Christ. It shouldn't be uneven. People should be able to look at you and consistently see that you love Jesus and you're living like Jesus. There was a new Christian and she was reading through the Gospels. And after she finished the gospel, she went to a friend of hers who was a Christian and she said, hey, I want to read a book on church history. And her friend said, why do you want to read a book on church history? And here's what the woman said, I'm curious. I've been wondering when Christians started to become so unlike Christ. When did we as Christians get so out of balance that our life doesn't look like Christ? To walk worthy means we will look like Jesus. We are to live like Jesus. And so the question for us that I want us to consider this morning quickly is this. What does that look like? What does it look like for us to live a life in 2020 in the midst of COVID-19 as we begin to try to figure out what it looks like to resume our gatherings and worship? What does it look like to walk in that manner? And Paul points out a couple things here. So the second point is Christ-like conduct. And this is the examples he gives. Christ was all of these things. He says, with all humility in verse 2, in gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. The first one he mentions is humility. It means it's humility. To be humble means you do not have an exalted view of yourself. The opposite of humility is pride. Pride is being filled with self. Humility is being filled with God. Charles Schultz, famous peanut cartoons, and one of those, he has Lucy philosophizing, and Charlie is listening. And Lucy says, Charlie Brown, life is a lot like a deck chair on a cruise ship. Some place their chair so they can see where they are going, some place it to see where they've been, and some so they can see where they are in the present. Charlie sighs and says, I can't even get mine unfolded. I want to spend just a couple moments on this point of humility, church. We are living in a time of COVID-19 that is unprecedented for us who are alive. Others have faced things like this, had to deal with closing churches, but for us this is unprecedented. And so as we begin to think about what does it look like to get back into gathering together, what does it look like to live like Christ, hear me, we need so much 
humility right now. I am excited about today, but I am so apprehensive. I'm just being honest with you. And whether we open today or in two months, I would still be apprehensive. We have people all across the the world, in America, even in our church, who maybe fall in the camp of the extreme of this is a conspiracy conspiracy theory, it's media-driven, it's hyped, it's nothing, there's nothing to be afraid of, don't worry about it, to other people in our country who are terrified, afraid to step out of their door, right? We have people on both extremes. And if you're like me, you fall somewhere in the middle. And so here's what I want to say to you as we think about humility, and I'm going to start with myself first. When it comes to the coronavirus, I don't have a clue. And you don't have a clue either. No one has a clue as to ultimately what is the best thing for us to do. When do we open schools? Nobody knows a definitive answer. When do we resume sporting events? No one knows. We're all guessing. We don't know what's the safest, best thing to do. When is the best time to open the church doors and begin to gather? No one knows. And it really depends on the size of the congregation and the area that you're in. But the point of that is no one knows. And it would be very easy right now for Satan to divide a church that begins to come back together. Let me just give you a couple examples. Speaking to you and speaking to those at home. It'd be very easy for us right now as we look around this room to look around and see who's not here. And to begin to say, well, I wonder why they're not here. Do they not have faith? Why didn't they come back? And it'd be very easy for those of you watching from home, from your living room, to think, man, I can't believe the pastor opened church back up. I can't believe anyone felt it was safe enough to go back. It'd be very easy for us when we leave here, for those of you to get in your car and say, I can't believe so-and-so was wearing a mask. Why are they wearing a mask for how have they read the articles, the masks don't help, and are they just afraid? Right, it'd be very easy for us as we get in our car and we drive out for you to look around and say, I can't believe so-and-so wasn't wearing a mask. Do they not care about my safety? Do they not love me? And so hear me. If you get in your car, then one of the first 10 things you say when you leave is about somebody wearing or not wearing a mask, we've got it all wrong. We've got it all wrong. When we walk through this season of life together, we need humility. We need to come along people and say, hey, look, I'm going to support you. Whatever you decide, I don't have all the answers. I'm going to listen. I'm going to love you. If you want me to put a mask on, I'll put a mask on. If you're comfortable with not wearing a mask, I won't wear a mask. We need humility. And if we think we've got it all figured out and we become as divisive as the world, the church of Jesus Christ will lose this moment to be a witness for Jesus Christ. Do the people you know know your feelings about COVID-19? It's fine if they do, but do they also know your feelings about Jesus Christ? Because that's what matters more than anything. And in this moment, I stand before you as your pastor telling you, I do not know. I don't know. I'm stepping out in faith and I'm trusting God and I'm just going to support you and encourage you, whatever you decide, but I don't have all the answers. I am to consider others more important than myself. That's what Paul says. And so, man, I just want to do that with you. I just want to love you and help you the best that I can. We need humility. And hear me before we move on. A person cannot become a Christian without humility. You will never be a follower of Christ unless you first admit your need for Christ. You admit that you're a sinner. You've got to humble yourself to become a Christian. And as you live this Christian life, you live it with humility. So let us walk with humility. 
Let us have conversations. Let us engage one another. But let us never allow this to divide us. But let us walk together. Secondly, notice gentleness. Walking in humility leads to gentleness. Gentleness is often associated with meekness. Meekness is power under control. Gentleness is having self-control so that you are not getting angry and inconvenienced by every little thing. Right? we got to be gentle. I want to be gentle with you. And so far to this point, you have been extremely gentle with me, and I am thankful for that, right? It's not the one who yells the loudest or his, who is the most forceful or the most demonstrative. Man, the world is filled with those people right now. Be gentle. Be gentle as we seek to walk this life that, in, in a manner that's worthy of Christ. Number three, patience, or your translation may say long-suffering. The word for patience appears in both the Old and New Testament, Often speaking of God's patience with his people. Aren't you thankful that God is patient with us? Amen. I'm so thankful. I don't know about you, but these characteristics I've been talking about, they don't come naturally to me. After the service, just stay six feet away, but you can go ask my wife and my two sons. Ask them if by nature I'm a humble person or a gentle person or a patient person. If they say yes to you, they are lying. Right? None of us are these things by nature. We pray, oh Lord, give me patience and hurry up. Like I want it right now. The word patience can also be interpreted long-suffering. Some of us are not willing to suffer long with others. We get frustrated with them really quickly. When God calls us to be patient and long-suffering. Fourth, bearing with one another in love. One translation says, I like this, Making allowance for each other's faults. The Greek word means to be patient with or to put up with. Notice what Paul says, bearing with one another in what? Love. Let's be honest, folks. No relationship will work if you aren't willing to make allowances for other people's faults and mistakes. If you expect your wife or your husband to be perfect, your marriage will not last. If when you held that newborn baby, you thought, man, this little boy or girl is going to be perfect, well, you're in for a rude awakening, right? If you think I'm going to be perfect in the way I lead the church, you're in for a rude awakening, right? We have to make room for other people's faults and mistakes because we're not perfect, right? And no relationship will work if others aren't willing to make allowances for your faults and your mistakes because you are not perfect as well. Notice lastly here, verse 3, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Hear me. You and I do not create unity. The Holy Spirit does that, amen? It's the Holy Spirit that creates the unity that a fellowship that believers in Christ have. He says this in Ephesians 2, verse 14. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. We do not create unity. Jesus Christ has done this by breaking down the walls of hostility. It's the Holy Spirit who now works this peace in us and through us, giving us peace with God and peace with others. We do not create this unity Rather, we work to maintain this unity. 
This unity that we experience right now as Northside Baptist Church is a unity that the Spirit of God has created. Our job is to maintain it. Our job is to do all that we can as we walk humbly, as we walk with patience, as, as we walk, uh, be w- willing to bear with one another in gentleness. We maintain this peace that we have. That doesn't mean we don't disagree, but it just means we disagree in love, making room for other people's faults, their different opinions, their disagreements with us. And then he says, lastly, this, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. That word bond means bond or fastener, that which holds something together, like my belt, which is holding my pants up, or uh, gorilla glue, or the ever-trusty duct tape, right? They hold things together. The bond that holds us together and preserves the church's unity is the peace that the Holy Spirit brings. It's a peace with God, and it's a peace with others. I was able to sit with some pastors earlier in the week and and Wayne, man from the association, man, he stood up and talked to us pastors, and he said, look, he said, you guys have got to support one another. You may not agree on what this church is doing or that church is doing, but you be there to support one another. You be that voice to say, hey, man, they're just trying to figure this out like all of us are. And man, that hit me. That struck a chord with me. And that's my, that's my plea to you. Those of you here, those of you watching, As we move forward, as we have difficult decisions to make and things to figure out, man, we walk together. Though we can't actually hold hands together or link arms around one another, we stand unified. We stand as one. Because there is a lost, hurting world that needs the church to act like the church. That needs people who claim the name of Jesus to start acting like the Jesus we see in the Gospels Let me close with this quote. John Phillips says, We are in the school of God, where the chief subject in the curriculum is Christ. We are to study to be like him. Hunter, Ethan, the rest of your days, man, you continue to study to be like God. Wherever that takes you, right, you're in the school looking and studying Christ. We are to apply our minds to the problems he sets before us. The problems are not merely academic. Often the problems are practical, like getting along in a Christ-like way with the people. Now we find ourselves in a situation where we really got to be practical. And we've got to apply wisdom and the Word of God to our situations. And we got to be humble. And we got to be gentle. We got to be patient. We got to be long-suffering with one another. And I'm committing to be that way with you, and you commit to be that way with us, and we commit to be that way with those who are still at home. But hear me. Understand none of that will be possible apart from the work of the Holy Spirit. And so we are dependent upon God. We're dependent upon God. And church, I believe God has some great things in store. Not just for Northside, but for Noonan and Coweta County, for the world. That God's up to something. That he is sovereign and powerful. And man, I just want to find joy in the journey. And I want to walk through life with you as we try to navigate what this looks like going back. Listen, it may never go back to normal. And to be honest, I don't know if I want it to. Because the church had become pretty complacent in normal. I don't want us to be complacent. Man, I want us to just be all in for Jesus. And whatever it goes to, believing that it's going to be even better than it was.
because God's in control. So here's what I want to do. I just want to close with a word of prayer. We're not going to have an invitation this morning. We're still trying to navigate what that's going to look like. Um, and so we're just going to close with a word of prayer. Um, I'm going to close, and, and then uh, Carrie, the deacon of the week, will come in just a minute. He's just going to kind of close out our service with prayer, and then, then uh, we'll dismiss you, and I will explain uh, how we're going um, to do that. But before we pray, one announcement that everybody needs to know is that... Uh, we were supposed to have a church conference meeting tonight. That's on the calendar, but obviously that's not happening. But we do need to have a church conference. So this is your heads up, those of you who are here and those who are online, that in two weeks, May 31st, after the Sunday morning worship service, we're going to have our uh, quarterly church conference meeting. This week, the minutes will be posted on Realm. The financial report will be posted on Realm. We'll give you as much information in advance that we can so that that meeting won't last very long but we do need to have that. Uh, we are a church, and we uh, do function. Uh, we do business, and so we need to make sure that everything uh, is in order there. So let me just, if you'll just close your eyes and bow your head. Um, let, me, let me just give you a moment there in, in just silence, in, in solitude before, before we pray. And I'm actually going to ask Carrie. Carrie, if you'll come on up here, and we'll just let you close our service out in prayer. You know, maybe you're watching online, and and you think, man, I, I want something to change in my life. Man, I, I need Jesus. Today wasn't a gospel-centered message in, in that way, but we want you to know as, as you're sitting there that you can give your life to Christ right now. And if you do that, would you just reach out uh, to us this week? You can call the, the office or uh, email us. You can get that information on our church website. Just reach out to us and let us know that you've given your life to the Lord. Um, those of you who are in the midst of, of difficulties, we just want you to know we love you and we're praying for you uh, and that we're in this together. And uh, if you need to talk, if you need somebody to reach out to, reach out to me, reach out to Pastor BJ, reach out to uh, your deacon. Let's continue just to love one another. Uh, Carrie, if you will close us with a word of prayer, brother. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can meet here today and we thank you for your love and your grace in your abundance. Lord, we just ask that you guide and direct us. Keep us humble. Thank you for Aaron's message this morning. Just guide us in what we need to do and help us to be attentive to what you are showing us. And most of all, Lord, help us to be a witness for you in everything that we do and say. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.